0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for everyone. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Playoffs? Did someone say playoffs? Is Jim Mora around? We're talking playoffs? Yes, we are. The NBA and the NHL are in full swing with their playoffs as teams quest for a championship. Major League Baseball is in full swing. We are about halfway through the season. BetOnline has you covered. I'm not a big betting guy, but if I was, hey, maybe I'd put some money on the Mavericks. Luka is on fire right now. Take advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your sportsbook experts. Joining me this week is one of the best high school football coaches, not only in Southern California history, but in all of America. His record of 256, 60, and 2 is one of the best. He has nine CIF championships and is the only person to win a state championship in California at three different high schools. He has multiple coach of the year honors. His winning percentage is over 82%, which is second among coaches with over 250 wins. Welcome. Welcome, 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 Harry Welch. How are you, coach?
1: Tony, an honor to be here. I am very well, thank you. I hope you are well also.
0: And we just spent 20 minutes trying to figure out how to download Google Chrome.
1: Um, yes, that's why I am retired. Yeah. <laughs> but I had a had a great time figuring this out with you, and I'm glad these millennials and everyone else, uh, it's good the future is in their hands.
0: And, and thank heavens for FaceTime, right?
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Tony. You're the man.
0: Oh, Harry, it's it's a pleasure to talk to you. And let's get right into it. How did you get into coaching?
1: Um, It's very interesting. A, a terrific coach named Tony Copay. Uh, just an absolutely sensational coach. He was uh, coaching at Crespi High School, where I had graduated from in 1963. And in the previous spring semester, uh, another great coach by the name of John Becker was coaching baseball at Crespi, and he asked if I would help out. Maybe I could help with the catchers and some other people. And uh, my gosh, I, I helped on a team and I had this little skinny catcher that ended up being pretty darn good. And I thought, man, I took this skinny little kid and made him into a pretty good catcher. I must be pretty good. Well, the skinny little catcher was a kid by the name of Rick Dempsey. <laughs> Dempsey went on to play 19 years in uh, major league baseball and his greatness uh, was obvious And all the time I thought it was because of me, but it was really because of him. Anyway, that was the way I started in coaching. But that fall, uh, Tony Pei came up to me and said, Harry, we need a freshman coach. Can you help out? And I said, I don't know anything about coaching. He said, that's all right. I'll help you out. I think you've got what it takes. And so 1965, that was the beginning Tony Copey went on to some great things at the University of Washington, where he had starred and went on to be a great coach there. Uh, his brother, Dave Copey, was a running back for Washington Redskins. Uh terrific start for me. And anyway, that was the beginning.
0: And and then you find your way, you coach at Cresby for a couple of years, and, and I'm a Cresby alum, and it's it's crazy how those Cresby ties. It's, it's kind of like the, the six degrees of separation where there's a Crespi alum everywhere.
1: Yeah. That's, that's so right. And I, I was there, um, from 65 to 70 and then I came back for one year in 73. And yes, I established some relationships with the people at Crespi that uh, I will treasure the rest of my days.
0: Shortly after that, a position opens up at Canyon High School up in the Santa Clarita Valley, and probably not many people knew where the Santa Clarita Valley was, except for those that went to Magic Mountain. But you find your way up to teaching English at Canyon High School. How did that whole thing come about?
1: There was a fellow by the name of John DeCoster, who I had met in the past, and he said, Harry, you're an English teacher and they need an assistant football coach at Canyon High School. Well, back then, uh, I had never heard of Canyon High School. I don't know that I had ever been into the Santa Clarita Valley, which at that time, the name Santa Clarita did not exist. In fact, most of the valley was uh, Newhall or Saugus. Canyon High School at that time probably was in... Uh, what at that time was called Saugus High School. Anyway, 1970, I took a trip uh, up Sierra Highway, made a left or west turn on Soledad Canyon, went down a mile, made a right on White's Canyon, and um, stayed there for the next 37 years. Boy, not only
0: staying there, but making a name for Canyon High School what was it like then building that program or starting everything, let's say, from scratch?
1: It was it was very interesting, uh, and it truly was from scratch. Uh, Canyon High School had never won a single CIF playoff game. Um, this was a, a whole new adventure for me, the first time I had ever been a head football coach, which... Uh, commenced in 1982, Um, but the people of Canyon Country and Santa Clarita are salt of the earth, wonderful people, and although I'm certain I pressed some of the wrong buttons and irritated people, um, the people of Santa Clarita and specifically Canyon Country, I will love till my last breath. It was awesome, but um, it, it was an incredible, uh, interesting beginning. I remember having to take the helmets. We took all of the paint off of all of the helmets, which probably brought on uh, early incidents of cancer in my lungs, um, but we worked on the, the fields, the equipment, um, the young men from Canyon High School were always enthusiastic, always wanted to work hard. And I took that on, uh, just loved their enthusiasm. And then I was really blessed with some outstanding assistant coaches. I think wherever I've gone, one of the true good fortunes of my football program was that I have had outstanding assistant coaches. One of the first uh, assistant coaches I had was a young man by the name of Brian Scooter Steinman, who I had coached at Valley College in the mid-70s. And Brian was a DB and a running back, but I needed a great offensive lineman. He said, I don't know anything about coaching offensive line. I said, Brian, just as Tony Copey, had told me, I said, Brian, don't worry about it. I'll show you what I want done. Brian went on to become an absolutely outstanding, magnificent coach, and the amazing success that we had was in great part due to Brian Steinman and the other assistant coaches and the outstanding hard working young men. And hard working I I don't know that many programs at any level ever worked as hard as we did. It was outstanding and we had a great run.
0: And but when you look at the the hard work and everybody thinks they work hard. And and I remember being at Cresby coaching in, in the mid 80s and we would come up and play you guys and you would just just physically and we prided ourselves on being well conditioned and and hard hitting but man, you guys just took it to another level. How did you get those kids to to be that way, to be so tough? Or was it just a product of the environment up here in Canyon Country?
1: Well, the young men in Santa Clarita Valley um, really cherish uh, working hard and having good direction and being successful. Um, but I believed in them And they were uh, willing to believe in me. And by doing that, um, oh, it was absolutely a dream. Just for example, Tony, do you know how a lot of people talk about how hard they work? Well, um, we would work out, no matter how hot it was, no matter what was happening, but we would start Every practice in the summertime, before we got into the weight room, before we got on the football field, we would start with a mile run. And every player on the team had to run sub six minutes. I've had young men that went on to the NFL, um, like uh, Brent Parkinson and others, they said they had never run a sub six minute mile in their entire lives, including uh, USC or uh, the NFL. But anyway, we would start with a sub six minute mile, even if it was over hundred degrees outside, then we'd spend an hour and a half in the weight room. And then we'd start a two or three hour practice. Um, We worked very, very hard. We prided ourselves on doing little things well. At that time, we used to call it, uh, it was one word. It was called cowboy football, but it was not two words. It was just cowboy football, and we prided ourselves on doing as many little things well as we could, and the young men bought into it, the student body bought into it, the faculty. It was absolutely uh, a highlight of my life um, as far as coaching goes. It was a wonderful experience. Uh, it was a, a a birth for me. It was later in my second run there. It Was a renaissance for me. Um, but it was a joy and a memory that I will cherish forever.
0: During those years, you know, forty six wins in a row, three CIF titles, and you know, it's a very small community up here. You know, back then it was Hart and Canyon, but you guys were not in the same league. But the first game of the year at COC, Heart and Canyon played in front of 10,000 people every single year. How cool was it to have that be your first game and just have that place packed with people, green and yellow on one side, red and black on the other?
1: You know, it was, it was magnificent. And I'm going to digress for a moment. I think I had a healthy hate for Hart High School and the Harrington brothers. but uh, In fairness to Hart High School and to the Harringtons, the Harringtons were outstanding. Dean, Rick, Mike, they were awesome coaches. Um, Hart High School just was almost like the standard that all of the other schools, Canyon at the that time and le- later, Saugus, Valencia, and the other schools, Uh, Hart was the standard, and we tried to uh, rise up to them. But to start the year in front of 10,000 people, I'll never forget there was a recruiter coming from BYU, and he was in my office at about 3.30, and he said, "Uh, Coach, I guess I've got the wrong information. Your game starts at 5 o'clock today. Is that right? I said no. It said seven. What are you talking about? He says, "Well, I just got off the freeway, and I happened to go across the valley in front of College of the Canyons, and the stadium was full, and it was three thirty. So it was it was truly amazing. But the people of Santa Clarita, and for me, the people of Canyon High School, were absolutely second to none." Um, and they loved their football. They took great pride in their community. And I was so proud to uh, have been part of that. It was, some of the experiences that I uh, have in my memory bank are because of the experiences from Canyon and Hart. Um, the Harrington brothers certainly made me a much, much better coach. They were outstanding and as much as I say I hated them, it was really based on respect and admiration. And so many of the things they did so well, I tried to incorporate into my program. And I still have to salute uh, Mike, Rick, and Dean. They were terrific. And the outstanding young men that played uh, at Hara High School, some of the uh, greatest Moments of pride were for the young men that when we'd play Hart High School. If we could ever be fortunate enough to defeat them, oh my God, that was uh, like the ultimate high. Um, one of my last CIF championships at Canyon High School of the uh, five that I had there, oh, I believe was in uh, 2005. I believe we played. High school for the CIF Championship, and it was a great, great game, and just came down to the very, very end. Now, then, if I would reverse it and go back earlier to think of the outstanding athletes, I remember the you know, Tommy Bonds and then uh, Jim Bonds, they were, oh, they were magnificent. And for us at Canyon High School to go up against them, um, it made us better. And I'm so very proud of it.
0: Now you, Uh, You stepped away from Canyon. The program kind of went down. They struggled. You come back in 2002 and you immediately start winning again. What is it about Harry Welch and the culture that you bring and the attitude that you bring where programs just get back on the winning track when you show up?
1: Well, thank you. Um, in all seriousness, as I said earlier, I was always blessed with great support from the community, outstanding assistant coaches. And then I had players that uh, were talented, but they bought in. They they wanted to be as good as they could be. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I did have a secret weapon Uh, I had, a lot of people are not aware what a incredible advantage it was, but um, I had a secret weapon. I had uh, a wife who inspired me, challenged me, and made me a better person and was always there uh, supporting me and made me whatever coach that uh, I could be. And she got to love the young men and women that were involved in the program. But the programs, um, they believed, they worked hard. Um, I don't know that we necessarily worked hard than anyone else, but I now have um, two Green Berets, two Army Rangers, and I'm very proud to say two Navy SEALs. And all of them have uh, told me that they were inspired they would not have made it to become what they have become had they not gone through uh, the physical and emotional and mental challenges that I put them through. But I remember specifically a couple of the Navy Navy SEALs when they were going through their infamous Hell Week and some of the prospective Navy SEALs would go and ring the bell signaling that they were quitting both of them have told me they said they would ring the bell and i'd say you don't even know what hard is we worked harder at canyon high school so anyway i'm very very proud of them and uh we did work hard but they bought in and it it became not about winning but how close they could be to being the best at something they chose to do Great memory. And
0: during that time, you mentioned the 2005 game. You won two CIF championships in a row, 05-06. Both great games. And you mentioned the 05 game where J.J. Luigi stops Troy Uden at the goal line for the 2005 championship. And then the next year versus Moorpark. And my memory is is fading, and I don't remember it as well. It was either a fake punt. Or something you ran, and then there was a pass to somebody named Anthony Ariaga, sets up a game-winning field goal, and and I think it was Chris Chapman who hadn't kicked one in like three months. I, I remember watching those those teams. What kind of memories, and I'm sure they're great memories, do you have from those two games? Obviously beating heart, you know, the, who you have great respect for in the first one, and then
1: Moore Park. Well, Moore Park, we had played earlier in the year and it was a very, very good game, but we beat them uh, uh, comparatively speaking easily. Then we played them for the championship. They had an offensive tackle that went on to play big time and he was just marvelous. And they, they were, they were all that we could possibly handle. And yes, we did have a, a fake punt. You know, I, I've always believed that, you know, if God had wanted us to punt, you know, he wouldn't have given us four downs. (laughs) So yes, we did, uh, have a fake punt and, uh, Chris Chapman, uh, I absolutely loved. I was, I've been blessed with some great kickers in my day, but, uh, yeah, he, he made a great field goal. Um, it was not good to be a kicker on my team if you wanted to, uh, punt or kick field goals. However, if you wanted to kick extra points, well, that would be great. I had a young man at uh, St. Margaret's that actually kicked 101 consecutive extra points. So if you wanted to kick extra points, I was the right coach to play for. Field goals and punts, not so
0: much. <laughs> And that 2006 game, after that, you know, playing Moorpark, you know, the CIF and the state had decided to, let's start the state championship again in football. And you guys are sitting around waiting to hear if your name is called. And it is, hey, Canyon High School, you're going to play. And it was there was only one game at that point. And you're playing the vaunted De La Salle Spartans from up north what was that like sitting around with the kids? Not only the shock and the happiness of, hey, we're playing in the first CIA, in the first state championship game in 75 years. And then you realize it's one of the best programs in the country.
1: Um, they were, they came in, rated the number one team in the nation. And uh, anytime you have a high school football team that movies have been made about and books have been written about, obviously, it's an honor to play them. I had met Bob LaDosur, their legendary coach, at a clinic in South Lake Tahoe in the mid-80s. And at that time, before here I had established any real tradition, we got along pretty well. When I met him for the state championship game he did not have a word for me. He acted as if uh, maybe I didn't belong there, which is probably accurate. Nevertheless, I revered him. And I'll never forget, uh, before the game, we were uh, in the stands before the game, and Bob Lottasura was there with uh, his coaches surrounding him. And um, I wanted to introduce my wife, Cindy, to Coach Ladasur. So he said, Come on, Cindy, let's go. I want you to meet the greatest high school football coach in the world. Here, I remember and, um, I, was,
0: I was standing there when that happened, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> he would have nothing to do with me or my wife. And I I I could not believe it. I I was crestfallen. I could not believe that uh this man that so many people considered you know so classy and legendary um would not have taken some time to be gracious to my wife and to me before the first uh championship game in almost a hundred years so that was uh that was amazing. however, I want to digress just a little bit the young men at canyon um they played so incredibly well. Um, we had only one player on the team who weighed over 200 pounds at that time. However, uh, they were not small, they just weren't huge. But boy did they could they play football? They played with uh, discipline, toughness, focus, and were um, they, they were not to be denied. As far as being denied, meaning they were going to give their very best effort. And uh, it was a game that obviously many people saw across the nation. Um, And it was a game that certainly solidified uh, cowboy football into CIF and national lore. And it was something that I've been proud of ever since. But it was a wonderful game at uh, the young men just played so very, very intensely focused, um, a real proud moment for high school football in Southern California.
0: Now, take me back to that Monday practice when you guys, after you found out you're playing De La Salle, and the kids know because kids, they, they know things. And they're, what was their attitude towards this program that, you know, won 156 games in a row. Movies, books, all of the accolades that were so well deserved. What was the mood during that week of practice, especially that Monday when you guys gathered for the first time?
1: Well, Tony, I I remember very clearly that first of all, when we won the championship game against Moor Park, um, there was no. Likely hood that we would have been chosen to play in the state championship. So when it came out on Sunday, uh, we were ecstatic, but we were also surprised. And then it was my job to focus the young men because many of them had celebrated the second consecutive CIF championship uh, for the school, and perhaps initially a lot of them were thinking that our season is over. However, by the time we met at lunchtime and then afterwards, uh, I made it real clear that we were going to approach this game with the highest respect and regard for De La Salle because they deserved it. And I figured the only chance we had is if we could deal with them with so much respect and do whatever we could to allow them to believe that they were much better than we were. I don't think at any moment uh, we thought we didn't have a chance, but we certainly thought that this was a renowned program that we were going to have to play our very, very best to have a chance, Um, but it, I drummed into myself, my assistant coaches, and the players and anyone else who would listen that, uh, you know, here was a legendary program that probably no one will ever defeat. And since it was a state championship, they would certainly put their name uh, into the record books as being the first state championship state champions in almost a hundred years so we were kind of playing with our minds and anyone else's mind but um when it came down to it we were ready to play football Uh, if you ever see a videotape of some of the players before the game or during the game um they had a great deal of respect but by god um there was uh They were ready to play. Uh, There was a kind of a funny incident um, when we went to Home Depot and we did our walk around a couple hours before the game. Uh, A lot of the players were looking up into the stands, and they were wondering where their family, friends, girlfriends were going to be seated. And then we went into the locker room. A lot of the boys had who had watched pro and college football, they put eye black and then different messages for their girlfriends or family or other friends on their eyes, on their arms, on their legs. And uh, we went out and started warming up. And I noticed the players and the assistant coaches were checking out the stands, how full it was getting and where were their friends sitting and checking out De La Salle, and I kicked the team for the only time in every game I've ever coached. I actually kicked the team off the pre-game warm-up and told them to go in the locker room, and then I took all of my uh, assistant coaches, and right next to the stadium, there's a, a a tennis facility, and it was not lit, but I took my assistant coaches in there, and um, We had a little chat, and uh, we said some things. I said some things. I wasn't interested in hearing from anyone else, uh, but I made it real clear that we were to focus in on what was at hand. And then we went to the locker room, and um, we... uh, I'm going to recall a little story with my grandson. My grandson was very very young at the time, grandson Nick, and um, he happened to be in the locker room. And on the way home after the game, he was being driven home by his mother. And uh, his mother, my daughter, asked Nick, Nick, uh, did grandpa say any, uh, any bad words in the locker room? and Nick who normally would not a young kid normally is not in the locker room, but he would always be honest with his mother. He said, yes, mom, granddad did say some bad words, but only to make the team better. So anyway, the team and I had a bit of a talk and, uh, I made it real clear that, uh, They could wear their little communications to their girlfriends and their family and anyone on TV, but they could only wear it in the locker room, and anyone who was gonna go out on that field was gonna go out just like we practice every day at Canyon High School. There was to be no special eye black, no messages on armbands, wristbands, or calf bands. And I said, those who wanna play, follow me and for the next 30 seconds I could hear in the locker room tape being ripped off and things coming off of ankles and uh, people covering up things that had been written on their shoes and we walked out and uh, played a game that I am most proud of it was a it was a moment um, to cherish for those men the uh, canyon, country and the santa clarita valley to cherish and i'll always remember it
0: And at 27 to 13 you guys beat de la salle and i remember doing that game and and it was just so much fun covering you guys during those times later you know you step away from canyon again you go down to saint margaret's and in three years at saint margaret's <laughs> again coach 42 and one three cif titles a state title. It's at a smaller school. Maybe football wasn't as important to them, but it was still important to you. How did you get that across to that community, which is a, shall we say, affluent community where where kids may not have necessarily needed football or sports to get into college because their parents were so, shall we say, financially set and the kids were really academically centered? (laughs)
1: regarding their affluence. We played one CIF championship game there and it was against, I think, Brentwood Academy. And there was an article in the Los Angeles Times uh, by Eric Sonheimer. And he said, at that CIF championship game, there were more limousines (laughs) than he had ever seen at the Academy Awards. So Yes, the uh, um, there was affluence there. But I've always found that if the emphasis is not about winning, but is about challenging young men and women to be all that they can be and to give every effort that I can give, surround a young man with good coaches and then do all that I could to bring out their very, very best. And these young men who were the sons of an affluent community, they were as hard-working, and their attitudes were every bit uh, the equal of any team I had ever coached. Um, They were outstanding. They were... uh, absolutely marvelous. And uh, the one game we lost, (laughs) we happened to play um, the best small school team in California to start the year, Called school from uh, San Diego called Francis Parker. Terrific school. And um, this was a new tradition I wasn't familiar with at St. Margaret's. They took all of the seniors and they went up to Ohio for a week, and they had a retreat. And I pleaded with the administration to let the seniors uh, avoid that because of the game that they were playing. Uh, then I said, well, at the very least, uh, can the seniors just, just, can they sleep somewhere or it's, it's air conditioned since it was so hot? And uh, then I asked, all right, can we at least have their parents pick them up or let them come back from ho in an air-conditioned bus. Well, my pleadings fell on deaf ears. The uh, buses with the seniors got back at 3.30. The game was to start at 7. And uh, <laughs> the boys were tired, uh, had not worked uh, out in football that entire week. And they really played their hearts out. Um, but they came up uh, a touchdown short. And uh, Francis Parker was just a wonderful team. But I certainly would have loved to have had the opportunity to play them, uh, practicing with the full week before the game. And then you spent three years at St. Margaret's.
0: Then you go to Rancho Santa Margarita. They had not had – they had had one winning season – in the previous six to you getting there. Your first year you go nine and three. Your second year you go 13 and 2. Another CIF title, another state title. Guys like Johnny Stanton, Ryan Wolpin, River Craycraft, Sorensen, and, and Max Turek. That offensive line was, was just ridiculously huge. And I remember you guys were playing Long Beach Poly in the playoffs at Veterans Stadium. And I walk up those – I guess there were about eight million steps to get to the press box. And I'm up there, and, you know, hours before the game, and there's a Long Beach Polly fan, and we we engage in conversation. And he says to me, he said, yeah, Polly's going to whoop that ass. And I looked at him, and I said, have you seen Santa Margarita play? And he was like, nope, don't need to. Polly's going to – you know – and he just kept going on and on. And I thought, nah, you know what? I, I don't think so because I had seen you guys play a couple of times before that year. And I thought, no, no, you just wait and watch. And I think you beat him by 30.
1: <laughs> uh, I think it was uh, 49 to 16, but who's who's counting? Yeah, not you. <laughs> <laughs> That was a that was a great game it was uh it was an environment that was unique for us um uh, I'm gonna leave it a little bit at, at that but um Polly had marvelous talent just absolutely wonderful talent and they went out uh, to an early lead but the uh <laughs> the eagles uh played great football um i think for all the uh all the years that I coached, um, I was always proud at how well-conditioned they were. I'll never forget it. After I left one school, uh, I had some counselors tell me that that it, if the game was close at halftime, they would start uh, celebrating. And I'd go, what are, you, what are you doing? You're celebrating. The game's still on the line. It's a close ball game. And they all felt that if it was close at halftime, the other team had no chance. So uh, sure enough, against Long Beach Polly, Polly went out early and strong and did go ahead. But it ended up being uh, um, a strong victory for us. I'm very, very proud of the um, young men from Santa Margarita. They were wonderful. They had worked so very hard. And, you know, you mentioned uh, many of them. I hate to single anyone out. It's fine for you to do it, but I've always felt for all the young men that I coached that they were my boys, and to single one of them out would be like saying, well, who's your favorite son? And uh, I did, and rem- still to this day, still love them. I would do most anything for then still have great contact with uh, players from all of the programs. Uh, But that was a, that was a wonderful experience. Um, Even the very first year to come in and have, have the school accept me at Santa Margarita and uh, have a, I thought we just had a absolutely wonderful year. We lost to a terrific Mission Viejo team um, right at the very end of the game, um, but but we played them well, and Mission Viejo it was marvelous. And and the following year, we were able to uh, you know put together a nice run again and win another CIF and state championship.
0: You know, and it's funny. I've, I I asked you, and you're very modest and humble about it. But I asked one of your old coaches, Rich Gutierrez. I said, "What is it about Coach Welch?" that makes him so great and he told me the commitment to discipline doing things right never wavering the simplicity of the game driving accountability attention to detail and the three tenets of harry blocking tackling and conditioning and you've been out you've been out of it for about 6 years now could you still be coaching in today's day and age 100%
1: no doubt, no doubt. And we'd be as successful today as I have been in the past. Um, you know, over the years, remember, I started in 65 coaching and um, the game changed and the way we uh, handled people and the offenses changed, the defense, but some things are constants. And I, I have a hundred percent faith that if I coach today I would be as successful as I had been any time in the past. after all the uh, you know the young men have not changed in fact a lot of people ask me well you know how can you handle these young men today well <laughs> they're the same great young men they've always been in fact, They train so hard today. They train 12 months a year today. They are uh, in incredible shape. They want to be so good, but they they would welcome excellent coaching. They would welcome people to love them, care for them, and lead them to an area that they had always dreamed about. And so, could that happen uh, today? A hundred percent, yes. What do you miss the most about it, um, Tony? I I love the process. I I love the day in and day out. Um, I I absolutely adored practice. Uh, the preparation. You know, the long hours or Obviously not fun and, you know, sleeping maybe three or four hours sometimes. Uh, I don't miss that. And certainly there were some frustrations and certainly some things I so much wish I had done differently at uh, everywhere. You know, if I could go back, I would certainly change some of those things and apologize uh, profusely for some things I would like to have done better. But I was fully alive coaching from January through December. I loved it. I, was, I felt that every moment um, these young men and women were saying, you know, they put themselves into my care. And so oh, if they did, I was going to give them the best care I possibly could. And we worked hard, yeah, very hard in January and February um and if you were to talk to some of the young men uh they would nod and go yes we did and uh but i loved it i loved the preparation i really enjoyed the games i enjoyed uh everything that had to do with football i enjoyed helping pe- people overcome difficulties i loved helping young men and women see potential in themselves that they didn't realize was there and helping them reach it. And most of all, Tony, I loved using football to show them how they could have full lives and maybe even more complete lives than they would have had they not committed themselves to something that they did at this early time. So Tony, I loved it all. Uh, uh, As I said, I was blessed with the finest coaches that I could ever imagine, Um, young men and women that um, if they were my extended family, well, in my heart, they were and are my extended family.
0: Well Harry, I tell you what man it
1: has been an
0: absolute pleasure catching up with you the last time I saw you was at Crespi at the um, memorial service for for John King and and it's it's fantastic catching up with you the last thing I want to do is I want to ask you five questions that are just have no topic theme whatsoever and you just answer them however you want your All favorite right. your favorite cartoon growing up Oh, oh, boy!
1: Wow, that's a that's that is really uh, interesting. I, you know, I I used to laugh at Mister Magoo. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but uh, what was your first car? My first car was a um, forty nine Plymouth convertible.
0: Okay. In your opinion, were the Three Stooges great comedy or blatant stupidity?
1: <laughs> no, they were they were geniuses. Uh,
0: the thing you are most proud of in your career—that
1: I loved the people that were part of my
0: experience. And if you had one do-over. From your entire coaching career, what would that one thing be?
1: And there are so many things that I would hope to have uh, done differently. Because as committed and as focused and hardworking that I was, I, you know, I I would wish that somehow in a do-over, I could let people know that who maybe I had alienated them, that, in fact, I truly cared for them. And if in any way that I had hurt them or alienated them, I, at this point in my life, I am truly sorry.
0: Well, that is that is awesome, Coach. And and I want to thank you again for taking the time to, to join me here on the podcast. We learned a little bit about FaceTime and how to download Google Chrome and how to get through our technological, shall we say, shortcomings, but it is always a pleasure and I truly enjoy our conversations.
1: Tony, I, uh, I truly feel that uh, a closeness with you, my wife and I, both uh, want to thank you very, very much from the bottom of our hearts and wish you uh, good health and Safety in this interesting time. Be well. And hopefully
0: we can catch up and find each other at a game this year.
1: I would like that very much, Tony. All, All the right, rest. coach.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Bye now. Right.
0: If you like the podcast, please subscribe. If you have any suggestions, please send them my way on Twitter at Tony Moscow or via email at Tony Moscell at gmail.com. One thing I want to do is I want to send thoughts and prayers out to the Hart High School community longtime heart Indian Larry Fiscus uh, was in the hospital recently with um, apparently some colon cancer. I believe he went through some chemotherapy and he is home resting comfortably. But Larry, everybody in the Santa Clarita Valley loves you. We cherish you and we hope for nothing but the best for you. Um,
1: God bless you, Larry. God bless you. Yeah,
0: Larry's awesome. And if you enjoyed this, you know, please subscribe. Uh, Until next time, enjoy the rest of your day.